This is Real Estate Rookie episode 252. Another thing you can do too as a landlord is look into um, different kinds of funding for like state funding, county funding for the tenants. There are a lot of resources, even like small nonprofit organizations that will help people who need help subsidize their rental income. And especially since COVID and during COVID, there was a lot of programs that were put out that helped people get get caught up on rent that you could apply to um, as a tenant and even the landlord could apply on the tenant's behalf. My name is Ashley Kerr and I am here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And today I want to shout out someone by the username of AG Bula 5252. Um, I'm just going to call you Bula. All right. But Bula left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts that says, I'm a real estate agent in Minnesota looking to invest in real estate. And I think I found the perfect virtual mentor to help get me started. This is the best place to learn if you're feeling overwhelmed. So Bula, we appreciate you. And for all of our rookies that are listening to this podcast, if you have not yet taken the two minutes to write an honest review and help us reach more people, I'm asking you, I'm begging you to do that. Uh, the more reviews we get, the more folks you reach, more folks you reach, more folks we help. So that's what we're here to do. I, I have to say some of these uh, usernames for yeah. your guys' <laughs> Apple reviews are quite entertaining. We had yeah. what, Milkman We recently? had Milkman earlier. And honestly, I don't even know what mine is. Like, is my... I, how to even set that into my? I think level. mine is actually the name of my podcast that I started when I was like 22, called yeah. "Do Really Good." I think that's still like my Apple podcast yeah, review. Yeah, I have to look what mine is. But today we have a great show for you. We are live in person. We love recording in person, and we hope you guys do too. Please leave us a comment um, on the YouTube videos, or if you leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, let us know what city you guys want us to come to next. Uh, We have Alex on the show today. She is a dentist and started investing in real estate to help pay down some of her student loan debt. And she does reveal after continuously saying many times, it's a large amount of debt she gives us. It is a (laughs) mind-boggling number. But Alex has a really cool backstory too, right? Because she, like most people that become, you know, health professionals, her and her husband both are in the medical field. Um, a lot of them never really even think about investing in real estate as a full-time thing. It's just something they kind of do on the side, but she's really taken a more active approach um, in building her real estate portfolio. And we kind of get to hear the, the why behind that. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. 
Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. We got uh, Alex coming up. Alex, you guys want to clap it up for Alex? So Alex actually hopped on a flight from uh, Fort Lauderdale this morning. So she... Uh, 4.30 a.m. 4.30 a.m. And she's still going. So clap it up one more time for Alex. That's a, that's a early flight. So Alex, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how you got started in real estate. Yeah. So uh, my husband and I are healthcare professionals. And, um, you know, being in school our whole lives, we didn't... Um, know a lot about finances. Truthfully, we didn't really work while we were in school. And so I've seen a lot of healthcare professionals who have a high income, but they're still living paycheck to paycheck and or they're burnt out from work. And we just didn't want to be like that. And so I research a lot on how to, to not do that. And um, obviously, real estate was one of the top ones. So I know you, but outside of real estate, you looked at some other things beforehand. What were some yes. of those other options and, and maybe why didn't they work out for you? Um, I, I did everything. I dove in. Um, I took the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University. I looked, I tried to study a little bit on stocks and day trading. Please don't ask me anything about those things. I don't know anything. Um, it just didn't interest me. And of course, real estate investing was one of the top things online. And so I just researched real estate investing for beginners and bigger pockets came up and I started listening to the um, OG podcast and that's how it started. So if you can tell us just like, uh, what does your portfolio look like today? How many units, where are those units located at? Um, we have three in Kansas City and we have one short-term rental here in Phoenix and we have a new build here in Surprise, Arizona as well. And what was your big motivator for getting into real estate investing? Um, truthfully, it's, I just didn't, we see a lot of the people in our profession burnt out and we just didn't want to be like that. We do like what we do. We love what we do. Um, and we just, we want to have a choice of going to work and not have to go to work to pay off our student loans and have to go to work to, to live up to this um, lifestyle or, or anything. And you already told us earlier, but I just want to see everyone's jaw drop when you tell us what that student loan debt is. So... My, I don't know the exact number, but my husband and I combined in student loan debt, just student loans, is over $750,000. Oh 
But man, I wish we had a camera on this side. <laughs> Why does no one video yeah. record? But but tell can you tell them what you and your husband do for a living? Like it's the they went to good use, I would say. So my husband is an orthopedic surgeon and I'm a general dentist. But again, it sounds like, you know, Yes, high income and all that, but again, $750,000. And if I listen to a lot of the people in our lives who t tell us, you can't invest because look at your student loans. You, you, you have no money to do that. You need to pay the student loan off. I, we would not be in the position we are, and we would not be able to do that. And I know you're taking real estate investing super seriously, and there's a, a big change coming next year. So can you share that with everyone and, and like what the motivation was behind that? So um, our second deal, or third deal, I'm sorry, um, was a seller finance deal. And um, I'm going to, for 2023, I'm going to take a year off of dentistry and try to see how many creative financing deals I can get in that year. I am not quitting dentistry, but I'm just going to take one year off. I mean, you guys have to clap for that. I mean, that's amazing <laughs> being able to have that option to do that. And tell us what your goal is for the next year. My goal is to try and get 12 creative financing deals. I mean, um, I think I'm, sh I don't know if I'm shooting for the moon or not, but we'll see. That's just, that's a goal that I have. <laughs> All right. So last thing before we get into the question here, what is some advice you can give to a new investor if they were looking to get started today based on your experiences, based on everything you've done? Yeah, I would say um, invest in yourself and take action. Um, you know, if we, like I said, a lot of people in our lives, my close friends, my family, they literally told us you shouldn't do this. Um, and they kind of try to steer us away from it. But if we didn't take action, we wouldn't be able to have had the five properties that we have now and hopefully scale from here. So I would just say, you know, try and network as much as you can. By the way, this is my first networking event ever. It's her first meetup ever. <laughs> yeah. And um, so take action. Because again, if you listen to all the other people who say don't, they're, you know, don't listen to people who aren't doing it. Okay. So for our question, what is a healthy return for a buy and hold in Phoenix? What is attractive about the Phoenix market to you? So you have your short-term rental here, not really... I, I mean, technically, your short-term rental is a buy and hold. You're holding it. What made you want to come into the Phoenix market, and why are you going to continue to invest here? I'm from Phoenix. My family still lives here, so I was familiar with the area. And because we are out of state, I was able to use that second home loan, you know, the vacation. Um, but I, I love the Phoenix area. You know, everyone still comes here to vacation. There's a lot of snowbirds. There's a lot of hospitals. There's a lot of growth. Even though the market is what it is, there is so much growth in Arizona, and I'm sure everyone here knows that, with all the big companies coming here. Um, and I, you know, you still have to look at the numbers, though. You know, don't do something that's going to make your um, wallet, you know, cringe. You know, you, you need to make a return still. So with a short-term rental, it's a little higher than a, um, like a long-term rental. Um, Ours right now is doing probably, it's a little lower than I thought. It's it's about 23%, I would say, um, but it just started, so I'm... I'm and 23% is still pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, and I still think the Phoenix market is a great area to, to invest in, so um, look for growth um, and make sure you do your homework with the numbers. Um, make sure the numbers work and network. <laughs> I would say network. Our places in Kansas City, um, I've never been to them. I managed um, two rehabs at the same time while being a full-time dentist. And um, I wouldn't have done it without 
even though I didn't network in person, um, I still, all the, all the groups online, bigger pockets, the forums were so helpful. That's how I met so many people and I trust them. And um, obviously that's how we were able to finish those projects and, and scale, I guess. Okay, we're going to start with our first rookie reply question. And this question comes from Tim Reese. If you own multiple properties, what's your backup plan if your tenants stop paying rent all at once and can't be evicted? So I think a lot of investors saw this during COVID where there was the moratorium where you could not evict uh, tenants and there was tenants who really could not afford to make payments at that time. And then there was some now, I'm not going to name names of my tenant that took advantage and didn't pay the whole time. Um, so I think uh, this is definitely a, a risk as a landlord and something that new investors are very scared of. So Alex, what would be your advice to kind of get over that fear of that happening or something they could implement and put in place to kind of mitigate that risk? Ooh, that's, that's a, that's a challenging one. Um, and he means if all of them stop paying, that is a challenging one. Um, I would first, you know, talk to the tenants. I mean, you know, they're human, you're human. I would try maybe if they really can't pay, try, try to come up with like a payment plan or something like, Hey, I know you can't pay the full amount, but can you give me 50% of this month? And then, you know, try to ease your way back into it somehow. Um, that's tough. I haven't had that situation, thank God, so far. Well, but. I think that part of that reason it's so tough is because I think the chance of that happening is rare. Mm-hmm. Unless maybe you have two or three units, then that you the less units you have, the more probable that's going to happen. But as you grow and scale your portfolio, there's kind of that less chance of every single unit being, you know, non-paying at the same exact time. But this is where your cash reserves come in. Is having yeah. those three to six months cash reserves for each unit set in place so you can at least cover those expenses and get a game plan in place for those three to six months. And especially if you have a smaller portfolio, highly recommend starting out with six months that covers your mortgage, your property taxes, and your insurance for those those upcoming months. Yeah. And I guess that's a great answer. The only thing I would add to him is like, Ash, is that I do think that unless there's like a global pandemic that happens again, probably super rare that you're going to see a point where all of your tenants aren't paying. And if there isn't a major like health scare or something that's preventing people from paying and like your tenants just decide not to pay, then you might need to do a slightly better job of like screening your tenants. Um, and that, that would probably be my advice back to you. So if you're nervous about that, spend a little bit more time up front on the screening process to make sure you get the, the highest quality tenant. Another thing you can do too as a landlord is look into um, different kinds of funding for like state funding, county funding for the tenants. There are a lot of resources, even like small nonprofit organizations that will help people who need help subsidize their rental income. And this is completely different than Section 8 because Section 8, can you can be on a waiting list for three years to get assistance, but there are smaller organizations. And especially since COVID and during COVID, There was a lot of programs that were put out that helped people get get caught up on rent that you could apply to um, as a tenant, and even the landlord could apply on the tenant's behalf. So that would be something to kind of give your tenant some of these programs that they may not even know about where they can kind of get that assistance, and that's going to your local housing authority and organization website. So 
for example, in Buffalo, there's Home NY um, is one of them. And then there's also Belmont Housing. That would be the best resource to find out about these kind of programs that can help your tenant get caught up on a rent. And then another favorite is doing cash for keys. So if your tenant is paying, instead of, you know, waiting the three months that, until you can do an eviction or whatever that waiting time period is, maybe just offer them, say, you know what, I'll give you $500, I'll give you $1,000 if you move out by next week and I'll come here, all your stuff is gone, you hand me the keys and I will hand you a $1,000 check or $1,000 cash and we'll part ways and that may be enough for them to go and get another unit and start over. Yeah, it's hit the words out of my mouth. That was the next piece yeah. I was going to land on as well. So I, I read your mind and yeah. I was like, you know what, that's a great idea. I'm going to say it before he does. That telekinesis. <laughs> Okay, let's check out our next question. This one is from Brian Cavalier. Is it a bad idea to lower the rent if no one is applying for a unit? Plenty of showings and interest, but no one is following through. Alex, what would you think about that? Um, this actually happened to us. So I so the first unit we turned into a long-term rental and it actually rented out for $200 more than what we were hoping, you know, our, our goal was. Um, and then that tenant, when they moved out, they moved out in the low seat, like the middle, middle of winter, it's snowing. No one really moves at that time. And so we knew that we wouldn't get a renter for that amount that we were going to get in the summertime. And so we actually did have to lower it a little bit and, but it was still around, we were still cash flowing a little bit, you know, as long as you're not negative, I think you'll, uh, you know, cover what you need to cover. Um, and still have a little bit of reserves, I think you're okay. And Ashley, like what you always harp on, always make sure you have reserves just in case, but we had to do that and we're still okay. I mean, we still have those tenants there. Um, they signed an 18th month, month lease. So it, it's a little lower than the first one, but Hey, we got someone in there for 18 months. And, and sometimes that's better. It's yeah. not having that turnover is taking a little bit off the monthly rent to have somebody there yeah. longer because turnovers can be expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I briefly worked for this like massive property management company when I graduated from college. And I feel like today I'm learning all of these new <laughs> things about you. <laughs> I was, I was there for six weeks and um, I'm actually non rehirable there <laughs> because <laughs> because I didn't give them a full two week notice when I left. But anyway, um, I learned a few things. While I was there for that, like, you know, month and a half. And one of the things they did was they, they adjusted the pricing, uh, based on the term of the lease. So say that someone was signing a lease in, uh, June and they know that December is a difficult time to relist a property. They would give you the option of having a six month lease, but it would be significantly more expensive than a 12 month lease that would expire in June. And they did that for all of their, like all of their properties. And these are massive apartment complexes, hundreds of units, but that's how they tried to decrease the number of move outs during the slow season when they would have to charge less and increase the number of move outs during the peak season when they could charge more. Yeah, that's what, so we negotiated with them to do the 18 month lease instead of a 12 month. Cause if we did 12, we would have another turnover potentially mm -hmm. in the winter time. Right. And so, um, we, we added a couple more months to the lease. So if they did turn over, then it would be in the spring, summer where it's, you know, um, more demand. Have you ever done that for your listings? For your listings, sorry, short-term rental brain talking. Uh, for your for your long-term rentals. Actually, no, I haven't. And you would think in Buffalo, like nobody wants to move in the snow, which is completely true. I think that's a great idea.
The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right. So this next question comes from Shauna Garnett. And Shauna's question is, what's everyone's thoughts on doing a six-month lease and then moving to month to month? I hate the idea of being stuck with a bad tenant for a full year. So I feel like we just kind of touched on this a little bit. But I mean, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts, Alex, on a shorter lease to get around the potential of having a bad bad tenant? Are they just nervous then? for? That's what for it sounds tenant? like, yeah. right? I mean, I would say, you know, vet your tenant as best as you can. Um, you know, there's certain criteria that you can um, find out, like from bigger pockets forums and, and things like that from property managers um, and screen them really heavily so you can at least trust them to, you know, you, you can't, um, you might get a bad tenant even if you have six monthly, and then, you know, you still have, they might stop paying after a month, but, you know, you really have to just vet them really well. And, um, 
Yeah, I don't think I really answered it. Sorry, but <laughs> no, that's a great answer, right? I, I do think that is like a, a fear, especially if you are in a state where it is more tenant friendly, mm. where it is harder to evict a tenant, especially if they're locked into a lease. And I've actually been more um, favorable to being month to month because instead of doing an eviction for non-payment, you can do an eviction for non-renewal. Mm-hmm. So when they're month to month, you have to give certain notice. So if they've lived there less than a year, it's 30 days notice. They've lived there, I think it's up to two years and it's 60 days. And then over two years, it's 90 days notice. So you give them notice stating that you're not going to renew their lease. And then you have those three months. And then that's when you can either increase the rent or offer that that non-renewal. And it's an easier way to evict in New York state right now doing the non-renewal process than the actual non-payment process. So that would be one benefit, I guess, if you are in a state where it's more tenant friendly, the laws than it is landlord friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, I think, you know, like, like we said, sometimes turnover is more expensive, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, if you have all these month to month leases and you're allowing people to swap out every six to seven months, could end up costing you more money in the long run. So to your point, Alex, I think spending time betting upfront, you know, it could be better. And too, how easy is it for a tenant to actually get out of a lease? Because in New York state, like it is very easy to, for a tenant to kind of get out of their lease. Um, you know, they can maybe lose their security deposit, but still move out. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very hard to, if you do put the stipulation in their lease that, okay, if they move out, they lose their security deposit and they pay rent until, until a new tenant is put into the property, but you have to actively search for a new property. So they have a very good case. Oh, well, you didn't find a tenant for two months. It was your fault. It was too slow, things like that. So it's very hard to actually get that money out of the tenant and to get them to continue to pay for that vacancy until it is filled. So I don't, I don't know how, or even if it is filled right away, you still had that turnover cost that Mm -hmm. you're not recouping. Just one one other piece on that. So like the way that that, that same property management company I was talking about that I worked for, mm-hmm. um, that's how their lease was set up. That if, if you broke your lease, you were responsible for the rent until someone else moved in. And if you didn't pay, they would send you to collections and they would let collections kind of chase after you. So um, I don't know if you want to do all that, Shauna, but you know, we're just, just talking. <laughs> okay. And our last question is from Matt Halls. How do you determine rental rates in an area? Thanks in advance. So there's a lot of websites, um, platforms that you can use. Um, you can even um, search Zillow, honestly, and just look at the neighborhood that you're in or that the property's in and look at what the comps are in the area and what they're going for um, for, for rent. But Rentometer is a great um, website as well. So the BP rent estimator is actually pretty spot on. So like I, I bought my first rental property before the rent estimator rolled out. So just like out of pure curiosity, I went back and plugged that address into the rent estimator and it was spot on to what I was charging my tenant. Or I think it was off by like 25 bucks or something like that, but it was, it was pretty close. So if you're looking at markets, trying to understand what that rent could be, I, I think the rent estimator is a great tool. The only trouble with some of those uh, tools is that when you get into rural areas, like where I invest, there's not enough data for them to actually pull information. So that's where going to Facebook Marketplace, mm-hmm. even Craigslist and seeing what properties are listed at and then just checking every week. And if there was a listing there last week and it's gone the next week, then most likely it was rented for what the asking rent was. And you can use that as a comparable. Then also calling property management companies in that area. And just, you know, you can even just pretend you're looking to rent an apartment, even if they don't have anything vacant, just asking you know, what size are your one bedroom apartments and what 
do you currently rent them for? What's included? Things like that too. Going back to that same company, that was actually part of my job as yeah. a leasing agent was to call other apartment complexes and just to get like rental estimates oh. on comparable units so we would know how to price. Yeah. So it is a common practice. Okay, cool. Well, those are our rookie reply questions for you guys today. And Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. (laughs) Can you let everyone know where they could reach out to you and find out some more information about you? Yeah. On um, Instagram, I'm AK underscore Burnham. And then on Facebook, Alexandra Burnham. (laughs) Okay, cool. Thank you so much. I'm Ashley at Wealth from Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will be back on Wednesday with a guest. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.